Some of you are going to find this a bit incredulous, but here's something that federal, state, and local governments all tell us to do that we should actually listen to. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You've heard about the health benefits of increasing plant-based nutrients into your diet, but how can you easily consume all the fruits and veggies needed? Well, it's easy. By adding Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity into your meals. Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity is a power blend that has 31 fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Organic vegetables, super greens, super fruits, and super sprouts. It is fortified with essential vitamins plus an immunity boost. And right now, you can get a free two-week supply of Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity by just paying $8.95 for the shipping and handling. And not only that, you'll also get a free frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So wait, before I start uh, episode five, here's a puzzle. Uh, If Sarah Sanders tells us she's resigning as press secretary, how are we supposed to know if it's true? Welcome. I'm John Fugelsang. This is Sanity Cast. Uh, I'm a comedian. I'm an actor. I do a show on Sirius XM. When I was in college, I was a marshal for the welcome committee for Nelson Mandela's Yankee Stadium rally when he visited New York after being released in a South African prison for decades. And I once played a psycho on Becker. And this is the Sanity Cast. Your reminder that you are not crazy. The rest of the world is. And being woke is exhausting. Uh, When the people who've always claimed to hate coastal elites vote for a millionaire at birth from New York City with a gold toilet who once lost a billion dollars and cut his own taxes, they want you crazy. It's gaslighting. I call it what the fuck fatigue. And what the fuck fatigue is pretty much the only way I can explain what's going on now. We are so overwhelmed and our outrage circuits are burned out. We live in a country where bless your heart means fuck you. This week, we saw people who are not offended by the N-word get deeply offended that the Harvard Admissions Office is offended by the N-word. This is a country where rich people pay Fox people to make middle class people blame poor people and poor white guys are still fighting for the plantation owners. This is a country where the media can spell things like demonstrable falsehoods, mendacity, repeated dishonesty, plays loosely with facts, prevarications, untruths, misinformation, fabrications or whoppers, yet they haven't learned how to spell the word lies. This is a country where we're the land of the free, but we can't let refugees in here because some of them might be bad people. And it's really easy for bad people to get guns here, but we can't make it harder for bad people to get guns here because we're the land of the free. This is a country where monosyllabic has five syllables. Uh, In this edition, we're going to talk about the most bizarre new Trump hire, a man who went from criminalizing sodomy to uh, trying to perform it on immigrants on a policy level. We'll have Inspiration Nation, your deeply inappropriate questions, more entries to ask a Trump defender, and uh, Liz Cheney, who has the Schindler's List 
of terrible Holocaust takes. And uh, guys, I'm sorry there was no podcast last week. It was a bit crazy. Uh, in one 48-hour period, I went to my first grader's piano recital in Brooklyn. He was great. He did uh, yesterday and take the A train with like violins backing him up and, and a drummer and a bass player. It was astonishing. Uh, then I had to fly that day to Toronto, Canada. I taped a special with Richard Branson, along with the Canadian Minister of Environment and Climate Change, Catherine McKenna. I do this show called Learning with Richard Branson for Sirius XM Insight. Then I flew to Los Angeles, uh, did five hours of live radio starting at 6 a.m., and then had meetings uh, all day. That was in 48 hours. The good news is I, I, I got some work done on the flight. Uh, I had meetings every day in LA, uh, a lot of shows, did my Sirius XM show every day from their gorgeous new LA studios. I did my new solo show about trying to raise a toddler while your country is electing one at uh, the Space 1111 with Elaine Boozler opening. I had no sleep all week. I got totally sick. I was throwing up. I, I did a show with a fever for 90 minutes. But I got to tell you, friends, as I was sitting on this airplane, waiting to fly to Los Angeles, I saw something incredible. I saw uh, an Asian woman who had a very big suitcase and she wasn't tall. Um, and uh, she was trying to get her suitcase into the overhead bin. And friends, I saw a black man, an Indian man, and an older white man with a crew cut all come together to help this Asian woman get her bags into the overhead. And it, it, it just made me so proud to be an American. And then I remembered I was in Canada. Uh, oh, one quick note. I got back from uh, Los Angeles and got to visit Frank Conniff in the hospital today. For those of you who don't know, Frank Conniff, of course, is uh, the star of Mystery Science Theater 3000. I've done three TV shows with him, and he was my sidekick on Sirius XM for a while. Frank just had a quadruple bypass. He is recovering. He is still hilarious. Uh, he just was moved out of intensive care, and somehow he is still more tan than me. Uh, if you're a fan, please give him some love on social media or uh, send your well wishes. Uh, write care of Frank Conniff, C-O-N-N-I-F-F, P.O. Box 1870, Long Island City, New York, 11101. Okay, let's move on to the news with a segment called, Really, It's Not You. So this is Really, It's Not You, a little headline section to remind you that you're not insane. Because you take a step back, our president defended Vladimir Putin in Helsinki and publicly rejected America's military intelligence. He has praised Erdogan of Turkey and Duterte of the Philippines. He covered for Kim Jong-un after Otto Warmbler's death. He covered for uh, Prince MBS after the murder of Khashoggi, and all we got were these lousy, smirking, murdering dictators. So let's break down a few things that happened in the last week. Um, one of the bigger stories was Donald Trump uh, doing 30 hours of interviews with George Stephanopoulos. And hey, you know, good on you, man. It's good you have that much free time. And he really, if you watch the special, continued his record-breaking run as the first president to serve on an outpatient basis. Now, there were big takeaways that the media had with this special, and I do recommend find it, watch the entire thing. I hope George puts it out on DVD with like bonus scenes. First off, um, <laughs> the no collusion part, which was hilarious. Uh, but also, you know, with the scene where Mulvaney coughs in the Oval Office and Trump kicks him out right in the middle of Trump saying he's gone from no collusion to pro collusion. Mulvaney coughs in the back of the room, the White House acting chief of staff. What he really wants to do is direct. And Trump just kicks him out of the room just for a moment. Can you imagine Barack Obama doing that? 
I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm a hack. I think Obama would say, you okay there? Can I get you some water? Do you need anything? Um, Trump just says, get out of the room, you germ-spewing monstrosity. And then he turns, and this is what you've got to see. He instructs Stephanopoulos and the crew to re-ask the question, and he just starts his answer over again, because it really is just a reality show. So a couple of takeaways I had that were amazing. One is that he really seriously, deeply believes everyone he talks to is as gullible as his fans and the people he surrounds himself with. I mean, it's shocking. He, he, you got to watch it. He really thinks that Stephanopoulos is as dumb as his flunkies. And then also, second takeaway, really watch it and look closely at Trump's eyes. You know, we've had 42 men as president who uh, were white. We've had one who was black and we've had one whose actual pigment can only be discerned by looking at the skin under his eyes. Cause when you walk into the spray tan booth, they, they put the goggles on you. So you can see that part of his face. It looks like a creamsicle. Um, you, it's incredible. You've just, you've got to look at it to see what Trump's actual skin color would be. He makes me look Haitian. That's all I'm saying. Finally, um, the lies, I'm amazed at how many people who are liberal or progressive or democratic or centrist or shucks, anti-evil, are clutching their pearls over the amount of lies Trump spews. This scene when he's in the car with Stephanopoulos talking about the Mueller report and playing dumb, there was no collusion, and, and Stephanopoulos says, have you actually read the report, sir? And Trump goes, yeah, I have. You should read it, George. Like, Trump has even read his own books. Um... <laughs> I think we need to stop being shocked and having outrage over a president who's lying at this rate because he lies directly to camera with good reason. He knows exactly what he's doing. He is giving confident, powerful sound bites to AM radio and Fox News because one third of America's population get their information directly from a reality star with a golden toilet who is president because dead slave owners demanded an electoral college. He has already said he thinks he can win re-election with just his base. He knows one third will believe him. Or at least they don't mind that he's lying because he makes one third of us feel really good. So like there was no collusion. Uh, Three million illegal immigrants voted for Hillary Clinton, the largest crowd in inauguration history, the greatest economy in history. Obama cuts the employment rate for blacks and Latinos in half. The trend continues down one percent in the first year Trump's in office. And this guy takes credit for it and says it proves blacks should vote for him. And we get crazy over this, but this is why we do it. Ask a Trump defender segment at the end of every show. It comes down to this. One third of us love him. One third of us want impeachment. And one third of us are just watching The Bachelorette and may or may not show up to vote. And it's always been one thirds. I mean, that's how it is today. You know, in colonial days, one third of us were conservative and wanted to stay loyal to the crown. One third of us were revolutionaries and wanted to be free so we could own slaves. And one third of us just wanted to farm their peat and didn't care. That's how it always is. Nazi Germany. One third would kill one third while one third watched. So this president tells lies directly to the one third of the population he knows will accept without question. And he does it right in front of us. And we're all baffled by the lies and how open they are. It's time to stop. He is George telling Lenny about the rabbits. 
That's why his lawyers don't want him testifying under oath on camera, as Presidents Reagan and Clinton both did. They weren't really afraid he'd lie under oath. They were probably just afraid he'd tell the truth. And by the way, the ratings for Stephanopoulos' special were pretty low. Hannity used this as an excuse to mock Stephanopoulos, which I think is a bit uh, ill-placed. I think they're low because America's getting tired of this show. We do have a short attention span. It's kind of what allowed Donald Trump to get this power in the first place. Also in the news this week, America's sweetheart, Liz Cheney. Now, uh, in brief, I don't want to be too harsh, but Liz Cheney makes me ashamed to be a nepotistic no talent fascist. Um, she tweeted at uh, well, Alexandra Sandio Cortez, mother of dragons. Uh, she actually referred to these camps where people are concentrated on the border as concentration camps. So Liz Cheney who is a huge advocate for human rights throughout history, by the way, tweets, please, AOC, do us all a favor and spend just a few minutes learning some actual history. Six million Jews were exterminated in the Holocaust. You demean their memory and disgrace yourself with comments like this. Where to begin? Um, Cliff Schechter, who's great and writes for the Daily Beast, tweeted, Liz, you aren't Jewish, know nothing about being Jewish, and if anything, helped make Jews more hated worldwide with you and daddy's stupid incompetent war in the Middle East and what it unleashed. Also, that guy who was the shooter in Dallas with the swastikas and murderous intent, your base. So, you know, for Liz, using terms like concentration camp takes all the fun out of it because Holocaust imagery kind of Liz finds it's unfair. All she wants to do is degrade, otherwise dehumanize by calling illegals, deport and concentrate in camps a despised, marginalized ethnic group. Nothing like what the Nazis did. So calm down. Kids are dying. Kids are separated from their loved ones. Records of who the parents are don't even exist. Trump won't allow access to the public. Those deaths were accidents, bad luck, oversights. But hey, they're stopping short of full extermination. So really, back off. Also in the news, Joe Biden. Uh, the Democratic frontrunner for president in every poll, but not if Democrats have something to say about it. It's very healthy for Biden to be vetted right now. Uh, he needs it. But again, I pray that a year from now, if Biden is the nominee, uh, we all complain how crappy that is and vote enthusiastically for him. He was at a fundraiser, though, and I, he was talking about his desire to work with the Republican Party post-Trump and said, with Trump gone, you're going to begin to see things change because these folks know better. They know this isn't what they're supposed to be doing. He's talking about Mitch McConnell here and Republicans in the Senate. And in fairness, Biden only believes the Republicans would work with him because he wasn't around for eight years under Obama. Uh, look, I, I like Joe Biden. Um, I would love a presidential campaign that was a referendum on comb-overs versus plugs. Um, I even really feel this could be our last chance to ever have a president who's an older white man who begins sentences with, folks, but here's the thing, Joe, uh, they can't work with you. America has gotten crazy. Fox News has warped one third of us into cult members. And the reality is um, Eric Cantor proves what happens if you ever even hint at cooperating with a Democrat. Remember Eric Cantor, Joe? Think back to Obama's first term. Every week, uh, Eric Cantor would come up to the White House and meet with Obama and say no to everything. So Dave Bratt, more to the right than Eric Cantor, primaried him saying, 
Can you believe that Eric Cantor goes up there and meets with Obama every week? Vote with me. I won't ever meet with Obama. Sure enough, the voters rewarded him and threw out the highest ranking Republican member of the House. They just went and did it. And it works. This is why the Republicans can't do their jobs, because if they do their jobs, they lose their jobs. Special shout out also to our libertarian pal, Matt Walsh, who uh, who tweeted every voter should be a taxpayer who can pass an eighth grade civics exam. Yeah, much love, Matt. I'd, I'd, I'd accept uh, every president being a taxpayer who can pass an eighth grade civics exam. Ariana Grande gets some special love this week, donating the proceeds from her Atlanta show to Planned Parenthood. This is the sort of thing I would love to see more celebrities doing. She will lose fans over this, and uh, she will gain fans for it, too. Also, here's some good news. Let's end with this. Three weeks before the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall Inn raid. Uh, by the way, a lot of the media will call it the 50-year anniversary of the Stonewall riot. We don't use that word in Greenwich Village. I'm from the village. I've lived across the street from Stonewall for many years. It's the uprising. So get that straight. But this was the event that catalyzed the modern LGBT rights movement. Um, New York's police commissioner apologized and actually said the actions taken by the NYPD were wrong, plain and simple. That uh, He said the actions and the laws were discriminatory and oppressive. This was huge. In the wee hours of June 28th of 1969, this gave series to the uprising that provided the spark that led the LGBT movement. And to actually have a cop talking about Stonewall, well, I mean, he was in Stonewall. I mean, well, I think he was a cop. He was dressed like a cop. I mean, he was wearing a cop uniform. Maybe a little more leather, actually. I'm just going to move on. Uh, Coming up next, the dick list. Oh, and by the way, that's my cat, Bix. He came to say hi. Now it's time for The Dick List. And this week, The Dick List has only one member, former Virginia Attorney General Ken Cuccinelli, who is now Acting Director of U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, USCIS. Uh, You haven't heard too much about him in the media, and that's by design. Donald Trump will go doing his wave of batshit, and we'll cover that and talk about the tweets. And the media doesn't really focus on guys like Ken Cooch. You're going to be hearing a long track record of his aggressive anti-immigrant policies. He once proposed a law to let employers fire employees who didn't speak English at work. It's a free society. Before heading UC, USCIS, uh, the cooch said states could invoke war powers against migrants because, in his words, it's an invasion. And he said that doing so would mean there's no due process and states could point them back across the river and let them swim for it. Quite a Christian guy. Ken Cuccinelli sent an email to the USCIS staffers uh, last Tuesday where he kind of seemed to be pushing asylum officers to stop allowing migrants legally seeking refuge in the country passage at their initial screenings at the border. One DHS official said it's insane. Elizabeth Warren tweeted, surprise, surprise, Donald Trump's pick to head USCIS as compared immigrants to rats and spent his career peddling dangerous anti-immigrant policies. Ken Cuccinelli is unfit to lead the agency tasked with fulfilling America's promise 
as a nation of immigrants. Uh, Kamala Harris, who along with Liz Warren is the other mother of dragons, said Ken Cuccinelli has fiercely advocated for ending birthright citizenship in the U.S. Today, the Trump administration appointed him to head the agency in charge of citizenship and immigration services. Cuccinelli's appointment is a threat to our country's ideals. I will fight this. This represents USCIS's transition, friends, from an immigration benefits agency with a mission statement that acknowledged we are a nation of immigrants to an anti-immigrant enforcement agency that's just, you know, BFFs with ICE. It's about ethnic cleansing. It's about moving people out of here, despite the fact that if they wanted illegal immigration to end, they would just start locking up the white people who hire them. You don't need to put up a wall. You take down the help wanted sign. Now, I could tell you that this guy's batshit for this, but it might not convince you. So let me tell you something from Ken Cuccinelli's past. Um, When he was running as the Republican nominee for governor of Virginia, he was fighting um, to bring back Virginia's crimes against nature law. Now, this refers to the word sodomy, and it was a law that outlawed sodomy. Now, sodomy refers to a disgusting, unholy, vile, nasty act engaged in by gay men with gay men or by straight men with amazing, wonderful, spectacular, understanding, incredibly cool, awesome women. The term itself has got a broad historical reach. Generally, sodomy has been used in American laws to ban any kind of sexual activity that isn't like heterosexual missionary position for procreation. It's been used to persecute gay people for many, many years because people opposed to same-sex marriage tend to be trapped in lame-sex marriage. So back in 2013, the Cooch filed an appeal with the Supreme Court wanting them to uphold Virginia's anti-sodomy law, which made both oral and anal sex between consenting adults, a class six felony, and was struck down in 2013 by the U.S. Court of Appeals due to Lawrence v. Kansas, the 2003 ruling that killed anti-sodomy laws across the country because Ruth Bader Ginsburg doesn't think the government should care what people do with their hoo-hahs. So he's gone from fighting blowjobs to fighting immigrants. Uh, This is why Ken is proof that maybe sometimes Virginia is for very, 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 very bad lovers. You see, Ken Cuccinelli really doesn't like anal and oral sex. He finds the whole concept a little hard to swallow. And nothing's going to keep this man down because it turns out he's only trying to ban these activities between consenting adults to protect the children. You ready to hear how crazy our top immigration guy is? The Cooch had a website called uh, VirginiaVAChildPredators.org, which I will admit sounds like the worst dating site ever designed. And on this, he said that only by reinstating Virginia's Crimes Against Nature law, which he called the Anti-Child Predators law to try and soften it up, only then could Virginia prosecute people who sexually abuse children. Well, that and the fact that there's already laws on the books because child rape is uh, illegal. But his site said that 90 sexual predators might come off the sex offenders registry if we didn't ban oral and anal sex for everyone. It doesn't say how, but it sounds scary. And that's good enough for voters. Uh, And now I know what you're thinking. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wouldn't this mean that any adult, gay or straight, consensually enjoying either of those two acts or trying to enjoy them? would now be a sex offender in the eyes of Virginia law if this guy had gotten his way? Is this just another Republican who who won't regulate big corporations but wants to regulate your bedrooms? Well, the cooch said uh, this unnecessary law wouldn't be enforced against consenting adults. But he did say in 2004 he objected to oral and anal sex on principle. 
Now, I went to public school, so I object to doing those things on principles as well. Uh, but all I can say is bravo, Kenny Cooch. Banning oral sex is a great way to get ahead. I applaud you. I look forward. I was hoping for the anti-sodomy drones and the monitoring of the good people of Virginia for any private sexual acts that could endanger the safety of children they will never, ever, ever meet. This guy dreamed of a new dark age of state issued chastity belts and sodomy cops. I love that line, although my staff told me there's already a popular all-male adult video series called Sodomy Cops, so he can call them something else. See, for far too long, millions of heterosexual and gay adults were trapped in living nightmares of sexually dynamic, fulfilling, and totally awesome marriages. This must be stopped! The Center for Disease Control found that nearly 82% of men and 80% of women aged 15 to 44 admit to having experienced the tyranny that is oral pleasure. And these sexually active adults are on a danger train, and Ken Cuccinelli devoted his political future to making sure they all got off. Now, how many children have to be exposed to happy, sexually satisfied, relaxed adults before these crimes against nature stops. I mean, it's true, nature seems pretty okay with it, but we're not talking about what's natural. We're talking about a Republican politician. This is the guy now in charge of immigration. So remember, if you like sodomy, stay away from the gooch. Uh, For now, though, when you look at a Democratic governor of Virginia who was caught in photos having worn blackface... And instead of getting that job, Ken Cooch gets to torture immigrants. Maybe we would have been better off if he'd won after all. Jerry Nadler and Elijah Cummings, they they both protested Cuccinelli's appointment at USCIS, saying it appears that Mr. Cuccinelli was appointed in a matter that circumvents the Federal Vacancies Reform Act. Yeah, that's right. They just slipped him in there. He wasn't approved. Do you understand the irony of this? He started despite not being nominated. So Trump, what he essentially did was take a guy who wanted to criminalize sodomy and sneak him through the back door. Okay, this week uh, for Inspiration Nation, this is a little segment we do uh, recommending music and art and culture to uh, help keep you sane when it seems like the world is just going to crush you with malfeasance and general rank fuckery. Um, This week it's going to be special. I'm going to just make inspiration nation about Paul McCartney. Paul turned 77 this week, and um, it's also a unique anniversary. This year is the anniversary of uh, 30 years since the record um, Flowers in the Dirt came out, which was his first album featuring his songwriting collaborations with Elvis Costello, which are wonderful. And it's also the uh, 30-year anniversary of Paul McCartney's first ever solo tour. Now, if you are down, do whatever it takes. Buy a plane ticket. If you haven't seen Paul McCartney live, it will restore you. It's like 10 U2 concerts and two tabs of ecstasy. It will remind you of why you love music and that life is good. Uh, I know all the critiques of McCartney. I get it. Go ahead. Live it up. Uh, I'm not going to defend every solo record. I'm not going to defend every song. But I love him. He is maybe the best person you can possibly see live. I have had the pleasure of working with him a few times. Um, I did a TV special with him. I did a stage special with him. And uh, he's great to work with. He's a total pro and he's amazing. And we sit backstage and talk about the Canterbury Tales. And he sang Happy Birthday to My Brother in Spanish. And we had a lot of fun late night. He's a great guy. So I'm biased. But um, 
When John died in 1980, Paul had just broken up wings, was in the process of breaking up wings, and Paul waited almost a decade before he went back on the road. When Flowers in the Dirt came out, that was his first ever solo tour, which is to say, not wings. Um, You can hear that tour on the album Tripping the Live Fantastic, the two-disc set from 89 and 90, really worth giving a listen to. And since then, Paul has been a hard-working solo act and put out some really, really good albums, some I love more than others, um, but he's had a string of really great ones. The new one, Egypt Station, I recommend. He tries so many different music styles. I also recommend his work with The Firemen. This is an electronica duo he does with uh, Youth, the producer from Killing Joke. They had a couple of electronica records, and then in 2009, they do an album called Electronic Arguments, where they would just make up one song a day, uh, play around with it, Paul would leave, and Youth would put it together. From that album, um, Electronic Arguments, you you gotta check out uh, songs like Dance Till We're High, um, uh, Sing the Changes and the Sun is Shining, all things that should be in his live set all the time. So here's a few McCartney tracks from the past few years, and I also do recommend his uh, jazz album that he did with Diana Krall and her band called Kisses on the Bottom, which is a terrible title, and it hurt the album sales, and it was his way of saying fuck you to the record label. Um, It should have been called My Valentine, which is an original song on it, and it's great. Kisses on the Bottom is the first album where Paul McCartney wrote none of the, well, no, he wrote a couple of the songs. Most of them are jazz covers, but it's the first album where he plays no instruments. It's also the first album where he lets the age come out in his voice. He sounds old and he's singing songs that his mom loved and uh, it's quite lovely. So I do recommend those three records from the last 10 years. But here's a few. This is a McCartney playlist of cool McCartney songs from the past 30 years. I'll do it quick. I already said from Electronic Ar- Electric Arguments, Sing the Changes, Sun is Shining, Dance Till We're High. Uh, I Once Flew to London to see the concert for George Harrison and McCartney kind of stole it. Listen to his duet of something with Eric Clapton and his cover of all things must pass. It's maybe the greatest version ever. And it's a song that, you know, some people say he and John kept off the White Album. Uh, From the Off the Ground record in 92, check out Off the Ground and Wine Dark Open Sea. Uh, From Chaos and Creation in the Backyard, which had a nomination for Album of the Year, check out Fine Line, Too Much Rain, um, and Follow Me, which is a lovely song. He wrote it for Heather Mills, but it's still great. From his Russian album, which came out in 87, which was just for the Soviet Union, listen to his covers of Don't Get Around Much Anymore and bring it on home to me. Uh, the new record, Egypt Station, is terrific. Check out I Don't Know and check out Fa You, which um, is maybe the best pop single he has released in, since the 80s. Uh, I just caught my first grader singing Fa You. I don't know if my mom would have approved of this. Also, there's a great track on there called Despite Repeated Warnings, which is Paul's song about politicians who ignore climate change. He don't name names, but you'll know who he's talking about. Listen to Flowers in the Dirt, 30 years old this year. My Brave Face, uh, which he wrote with Elvis Costello, as well as Figure of Eight, and How Many People. Uh, Listen to the Good Evening New York City live album. His version of Helter Skelter is incredible. Wings, Ms. Vanderbilt, and his cover of I'm Down. Uh, Check out the album Flaming Pie which I got to do a TV special with Paul for. Um, it's a beautiful record. The song Young Boy should have been a, a single. He should do it live. Heaven on a Sunday is a lovely song featuring a guitar solo by Paul's son, James, and Little Willow, a song that he wrote for Ringo Starr's wife, Maureen, when she died. Uh, later, put it on a Princess Diana tribute album. And Beautiful Night, which uh, Ringo sings on, and it's a great Beatlesque song. I'm almost done. I Want to Come Home was a movie song. Should have gotten an Oscar nomination for a De Niro film. Uh, Check out again from his jazz album, his version of Always. 
And I'm going to sit right down and write myself a letter. And the inchworm, if you have kids. Just lovely. And of course, my Valentine from Kisses on the Bottom. Uh, maybe the best song he's written in 20 years. Finally, Liverpool Sound Collage. It's really weird. It's avant-garde. It's experimental. Nobody knows about it. Check out Free Now. It'll blow your mind. Uh, from Memory Almost Full, look at Dance Tonight and Ever Present Past. From New, check out Queenie Eye and New. Um, and check out the Unplugged album from 1991. And finally... Cut Me Some Slack, which was the song that he did with the surviving members of Nirvana, Dave Grohl, Chris Novoselic, and Pat Smear. Uh, that won a Grammy for uh, Best Rock Song by a Duo or Group, and it is spectacular. Cut Me Some Slack. Thank you, Paul McCartney. Happy birthday, and congrats on uh, the 30-year anniversary of your first solo tour. No one else is going to say it, so I thought I would. Here's some gigs coming up. Sunday night, uh, the 23rd of June, I'll be headlining at the Stress Factory in Bridgeport, Connecticut, because I don't know about you, but Sunday nights in Bridgeport are where it's at for comedy. Also, I'm going to be performing at a very fun show on Long Island um, called uh, 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 Celebrity Autobiography, where actors get together and read actual passages from famous people's unintentionally hilarious memoirs. It sells out all the time. Uh, this will be at the Patch Theater Sunday, July 14th. Come see me along with Ralph Macchio, Rachel Dratch, uh, and Susan Lucci. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Um, hey, we're going to wrap things up with some questions from you guys shortly. Uh, but first, ask a Trump defender. These are questions to ask that Trump defending loved one in your life. Ready? Number one, do you agree with Trump that White House counsel Don McGahn told the Mueller commission under oath that Trump told him to fire Mueller, declined to do it, and then was told by Trump to lie about it? Do you b agree with Trump that he only said this under oath because he is confused? Ask your Trump-loving relatives, um, are you okay with Trump trying to ban H-2B workers coming in uh, to work in the States, but he did it himself on his own properties? Why is it okay for Trump to get his uh, international workers, but those Trump supporters can't get theirs? Hey, another question for Trump defenders. If pulling out of the Iran deal makes gas prices go up and makes it easier for Iran to enrich uranium, if they no longer have to comply, is it worth it to you? Here's another one, Trump supporters. If any new president can renege on any deal made with another country, why should any country bother ever making deals with America? Also, Trump defenders, do you accept that 2017 was the worst jobs growth year since 2010? Uh, two more. Ask your Trump defending antagonist on Facebook. We're in like seven wars right now. If rich guys who own golf clubs don't pay for them, who do you think is going to wind up paying for them? And finally, ask him this one. President Clinton and President Reagan both testified on camera under oath. Why, Trump supporter, was it so important for Donald Trump to not have to testify in person or on camera? Just ask him the questions. See what they say. They're all fun ones. They're tested. Finally, let's have some inappropriate questions. I love when you guys write to us. Uh, you can write anytime at johnfuglesang.com. Send me your questions and your threats and your uh, awkward passes. Mike McArdle writes, Hey, John, how can Nancy get away with whistling past the impeachment graveyard any longer now that the Pentagon has pretty much come out and said we can't tell the president about cyber war facts we're using on Russia because the president may interfere in order to help Russia, a.k.a. giving aid and comfort to the enemy? What more proof does she need? I'm not here to defend Nancy Pelosi. I think that we should impeach. I think impeachment has to happen morally and uh, legally. Politically, I know why she's waiting. I don't falter. I get it. She's not in charge of impeachment. She's in charge of the Democrats keeping the House. And she is looking at Democrats who won by single districts in 2018 
in areas Trump won in 2016. She knows that she can't move forward with impeachment until the majority of Americans support it. And Connor Lamb onward, there's a lot of Democrats in the House who barely, barely made it in. She is trying to hang on to the House. And at this point, I think hanging on to the House and getting the Senate might be more important than the White House. Uh, Glenn Howman writes, who was the better catcher, Thurman Munson or Gary Carter? Uh, I reject the question. They, uh, both catchers died uh, way too soon. But because uh, Gary Carter, who I got to meet uh, from the New York Mets, he he died uh, of natural causes, was still rather young. But Thurman Munson was killed in a plane accident. So because his career was cut short, I reject your question. How dare you? David Shaw writes, can you please ask why the Republicans put babies in cages and let them die and have the nerve to call decent Americans baby killers? Can you also ask why the Republicans vote exclusively with all not Nazis and KKK in America and have the nerve to say decent Americans are a party of hate? Can you also ask why the Republicans vote for a birther and then think they can have any leg to stand on when trying to explain what's true and what's not to decent Americans, please? Yes, David, I will get on that and ask them. Finally, uh, Eliza Ayers Booth, uh, who is a wonderful fan of our radio show, wrote, uh, what is your advice for practicing self-care during this crazy time we're living through? How can activists avoid burnout? I'm co-director of a grassroots political nonprofit. And as much as I love what I do, I find burnout to be a big problem for me, my staff and our volunteers. It's a great question. And it's sort of why I did this podcast to be about things that will help keep you sane talking points, cultural distractions and um, arguments and and, uh, positive things in the era of Trump. Look, they want you to burn out. But right now, despair is privilege. Negativity is a habit. Depression is a disease. Sanity is the opposite of vanity. You are not allowed to despair. We need you way too much. So here's what you do. You're allowed to check out for a little while. It's never been more important to remind yourself of the things that matter in this life. Be with friends. Really be with them. Don't just be in chat rooms. You want to stay sane during this time? Have hobbies. I love the internet, but one thing I will say, I think the internet may have killed hobbies. See theater, live theater. See really good films. Read really good novels. Don't go reading books about politics and history and think that that's going to be an escape. I'm serious. Culture, culture, culture. Dance. Go see dance. Dance yourself. Exercise. Break a sweat three times a week. Volunteer. Give of yourself. Take care of somebody else. Have a lot of sex. Have a lot of partying. Do things to remind yourself of the joy of life. We can never allow the nonstop fuckery of fascists and these awful people to deprive us of our God-given right to appreciate existence itself. And it is an insult to your mother and father deciding to have you to deprive yourself of joy in this lifetime because you think your worry is somehow virtuous. Anger will kill you. Outrage is important. But you got to have joy. It is why we are here. And I am so honored that you would be here with me today. I want to thank everyone for listening. I want to thank Stephanie Miller, Chris Lavoie, and the entire Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Please subscribe to all the quality shows. Listen to them all and write to us. I will write back or uh, talk to you on the air. And this podcast is uh, growing, except we're making it shorter. I promise no more hour-long podcasts. We have some great interviews lining up and uh, a lot of fun to be had. So thank you so much. Thanks for being here with me. And ever upward. Peace. Hey, this is Randy Rhodes, host of the Randy Rhodes After Hours podcast. If you love this episode, you're going to love the whole show. Every week we talk about everything that matters to you, from our future as a democracy to our existence on this here planet. Find it all at sexyliberal.com on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and anywhere and everywhere you get your podcasts.